Happy Mother's Day. We do love the uh, moms here at Southwest and all the moms that are in the crowd today. And would you just join me in uh, giving them a round of applause and thanking them for all that they do. And we want them to have a special day. We're also aware that Mother's Day is one of those days that can surface a whole gamut of emotions. For the new or young mom, as we saw a number of them up on stage last week during our parent-child dedication, that there comes that sense of great joy, but also it's mixed with, at times, great exhaustion and even anxiety. For the experienced mom who has her children gathered around her, maybe there's some moms here today, your children are sitting beside you or on the same row, and there's just this sense of uh, uh, great pride and gratitude, and that's, that's good. And yet, for some mothers who are estranged uh, from a child or maybe have lost a child, this day can bring some heartbreak. For the woman who has not been able to have a child or has chosen maybe not to have a child, there may be a sadness, regret, or possibly sense of being judged by others. For the person, and there's a number in the crowd who've lost a mother, there can be grief and sadness. And yet, On this Mother's Day, we recognize there's all those emotions and feelings that might be present, but we also think there's great value in honoring the moms here, giving thanks for the special moms in our life, and making sure that we acknowledge and give thanks to God for the difference they've made in our life. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you just... We thank you that in your wisdom, God, you are perfect heavenly father, that you uh, created the family, you created moms to provide nurture and care and support. And and Father, we thank you for the moms in our life and the difference they've made. We pray that today that uh, all of us who have an opportunity can honor our moms in a special way. We pray also, Father, on this day that we can learn from uh, those who've come before us. We can learn from previous generations some of their strengths. And yet, Father, we don't want to repeat necessarily their weakness. So help us, Father, during this, this time of opening up your word and reading from it. I pray that you'll just really speak into our lives and our hearts. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to take uh, the words that I'll share, the words I've prepared, and, and take it in, and apply it to every person wherever they're at in such a way that this is very, very meaningful and helpful to them. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we uh, watched the uh, mom support group video earlier, we heard some classic mom sayings. And that's really appropriate leading into our message today that's entitled, Mom Always Said. Now, preparing for this day, I posted on social media the following question. What are some memorable one-liners from your mom? Or in other words, how would you answer 
or finish this sentence, mom always said. So with that said, I uh, received a number of responses, needless to say. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to share all of it because there was 50-some posts, but I want to share some that stood out to me and some that I found either humorous or meaningful. One person posted that their mom said repeatedly, I brought you into this world and I can take you out of it. <laughs> and maybe some of you heard that. Another person posted, if all the other kids jump off the bridge, are you going to jump too? It, another one said, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Actually, a number of people posted that. Another one posted, as long as you live under my roof, you'll follow my rules. And another one, I thought this was wise, just because you can doesn't mean you should. There's some wisdom in that quote. Now, four or five people posted this, and actually my mom used to say this, wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. (laughs) Anybody else ever heard that? In fact, my mom said her mom told her that. And, and I never understood that. In fact, I've been in some accidents and they never checked my underwear. So I don't know why that's so important, but my mom emphasized that. But the one that I really stood out to me that just really spoke to my heart, hopefully it'll speak to yours, and one mom posted this and said, then she in turn is saying it to her children. There's nothing you could ever say or do that would make me stop loving you. And I thought that was really, really good. In many ways, the the Bible passage that we're gonna be reading from today is from the same vein of discussion of, as we remember and celebrate lessons learned and wisdom gained from our mothers. The book of Proverbs itself is a book of wisdom. And it ends with a fascinating chapter citing the sayings of a king's mother to her son. Here's how the chapter begins in Proverbs 31. You can follow along either in the message notes or your Bible or Bible app. But Proverbs 31 says, the sayings of King Lemuel contain this message which his mother taught him. Now in the next eight verses, the writer lists specific reminders and warnings from mom. And in the last 22 verses of this chapter, we read the ideal description that this protective mom paints for her son to look for in an ideal wife. The writer records this description in a beautiful artistic way. In the original language of Hebrew, Each verse, verses 10 through 22, starts with one of the 22 Hebrew letters and what's commonly called an acrostic. Now, we're familiar with this, and maybe some of you have seen these even for Mother's Day, where you'll see a listing of the ABCs of a good mom, and and each, each line starts with a letter of the alphabet. Well, that's actually what this is, Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 22 but the Hebrews only had 22 verses. The other cool thing that's going on in this text is that it's written in a a chiastic form, which is a way of repeating statements in reverse order. It's kind of a crisscross structure. 
Now, I don't want to get too technical, but I just think it's really cool when you understand this is how this passage was written. A, a very simple example of a chiastic poem or saying would be the following mom phrase that maybe some of you have heard. Never let a fool kiss you or a kiss fool you. There's some wisdom in that. But you see, those are two statements put together and they're kind of in reverse order. Well, the writer of Proverbs lists this elaborate ABC poem in a chiastic form that looks like what you see on the screen. Each independent true statement is later mirrored in reverse order by another equally true statement. Now, in my, you know, and, and how's that for literary analysis for a math major, okay? But, but the truth of it is, even though I don't want to get too technical or academic, as we examine this Bible passage, it's incredible how a document 3,000 years ago can be written in such a beautiful, sophisticated way. I just love Scripture. And as I read from it, I just see God's inspiration. I see God's written word for us. And I hope that as you read the Bible, you'll be drawn in as well. So let's break down this great passage in Scripture in, in the way that it was written in this poetic structure of Proverbs 31. So in the rest of our time, we're going to look at four character strengths listed for this king to look for in a wife. And I believe these are great character strengths for men and women of every generation to aspire for. Now remember, this description is the description of an ideal woman. So with each observation, we're going to not only observe the characteristic that is highlighted here, but we're going to also look to see how there are some lessons we can learn from the various generations, previous generations, current generations, and maybe even future generations. So with that said, let's look first of all of the importance, the first attribute of having noble character. That's how this poetic a section of Scripture begins. In verse 10, the wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. And then the corresponding true statement at the end of this section reminds us in verse 30 and 31, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done. And let her works bring her praise at the city gate. In many ways, these last two verses of Proverbs echo the opening theme of the entire book. If you go back to Proverbs 1, 7, which is a theme verse for the entire book, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, sometimes people get tripped up with this idea of fearing the Lord. We're not talking about being afraid in the sense of that you don't want to approach the Lord, but it's fear of the sense of that you have such an awe, respect, and reverence for God that you approach Him in that humble manner. Well, this passage 
this motherly advice to the king was for him to put the highest value or character not on the outer beauty as he was searching for a spouse, but the inner character. This is good advice that needs to be heeded and embraced in any generation. Yes, 3,000 years ago, that was great advice. In the 21st century, it's great advice. We live in a culture that so often we're judged by what we look like, the clothes we wear, how many likes we receive on social media. The wisdom of Scripture is for us to not focus on these outward things, but the inner character that is of far greater worth. This is good advice for young men and young women to take to heart. I find it interesting that one of the most quoted women speakers during the last few years is a top-selling author, and she really rose to uh, fame through a TED Talk that she did a number of years ago. Her name is Brene Brown. And one of my favorite quotes from Brene Brown is this, Perfectionism is a self-destructive and addictive belief system that fuels this primary thought, if I look perfect and do everything perfectly, I can avoid or minimize the painful feelings of shame, judgment, and blame. Now, Brown, who has written on the subject of shame and and, and talks a lot, as she's an academic professor in, in Texas, and she's written about this thing of shame. She's written about the importance of, of women specifically being vulnerable. And, and what's ironic is that even though she was courageous enough to come out and start talking about these some things, she's actually received criticism from people that have criticized her appearance. It sounds like they missed the message that she was teaching. You see... Proverbs repeatedly points out the importance of us defining ourselves by the strength of character and not by the outer beauty, which can be so fleeting. This was a characteristic that I think was exemplified by the generations which preceded mine. Now, when it comes to comparing ourselves to previous generations, It's important that we don't simply tear down other generations. I think some can fall into that trap where you tear and criticize other generations. Or on the other hand, we can fall into the trap of romanticizing previous generations and not learning from their mistakes. You see, we want to do both. We want to praise and honor those strengths that we see, but we also don't want to repeat history and make the same mistakes. So let's learn from the strengths and generation, uh, strengths and weaknesses of other generations. So for each of these character strengths, we're going to observe a different generation and notice that strength and then look to avoid the weakness. Of this first character strength, we want to look at the generation sometimes called the greatest or silent builder generation. And this is the generation represented by those who were born before 1945. It was truly a great generation. Tom Brokaw said it's the greatest 
generation. That's the generation who lived through the Great Depression and World War II. They were generous providers for their families, and they were great examples of, of having noble character, a character that was seen in working hard. There was so much to imitate from that generation. This was my parents' generation. And yet, also, I think that we can learn some lessons of maybe some things that generation struggled with. That generation tended to show love more by their actions than by expressing it through words. That was true for me growing up. Oh, I knew my dad loved me. I could tell by the way he did things for the family and did things for me. But growing up, I didn't hear a lot of expression of, I love you. And so, even though there was much to learn from my dad, I wanted to make sure that for my children, they heard me say, I love you. Now, I think that resulted in the boomers being more sensitive to that. I'm a part of the boomer generation. But I think the boomers also realized the importance of following the example of their parents of working hard. So that's our next observation from Proverbs 31, that this woman described in Proverbs 31, this ideal woman was a hard-working woman. In verse 11, it says, her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female service servants. Honestly, I was a bit hesitant to read from this text because I don't want to discourage moms on Mother's Day. I don't want to pile on them this call uh, for more work and more sacrifice because at times that can be oppressive. And yet, I think it's important for us to realize this was a description that a mom gave to her son and said, make sure you look for someone that has the character of hard work. Make sure in your future spouse, you're looking for that characteristic. Now, this concept of hard work is is an attribute, I believe, that you see in the baby boomer generation, the generation that I'm a part of. It's that generation born between 1946 and 1964. They imitated their parents. And as a result, so many of my generation, we've worked hard and we've invested into our children's successes. And we were sacrificial to see their have success. And yet, as we read from the, the, the parallel text, we can see maybe a possible weakness for this boomer generation. In Proverbs 31, the parallel, verse 28, her children, this, this model mother, her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Now, for our high school students in the crowd, I'm sure this morning on Mother's Day, you got up and the first thing you did was say, Mom, you are blessed. I hope that's what you did, but maybe you didn't. You know, I wanted to make sure my wife woke up to uh, being blessed. And so um, I influenced the newest member of our family to get her a gift. 
I'm not sure that he understands it's Mother's Day, our puppy, but, but she got a gift from him because uh, as my son said, now he has a younger brother, okay? So, and I've, I've loved seeing Jane's momness come out so much as she's, she's training this puppy, oftentimes without my help, I have to admit. But you know, it, Mother's Day is a good day. It's a day to celebrate. Now, I'm a fan of days like this because I think so often we can take for granted those people in our lives that do so much for us. And today, moms, we want to celebrate you. Today, I'm gonna celebrate this day with my wife, who's a wonderful mom. Tomorrow, I'm gonna drive to Indiana to celebrate it with my mom. I'm blessed that my mom has lived to be 90 years of age. Here she is with her family surrounding her at her 90th birthday. Actually, we've added to the family one child since then, and we're going to add another one in July. And part of the inspiration for this message today is to read from Proverbs 31, is that, that oftentimes on Mother's Day, I've written sections of Proverbs 31 in Mother's Day cards that I've given to my mom. And yet, without fail, Every time I've done that, my mom has said, I've never thought of myself when I read Proverbs 31. So at her 90th birthday, I had the opportunity to stand up in front of a crowd of about 100 people, and I read Proverbs 31. And I said, Mom, maybe you have not thought of yourself when you read this passage, but I want you to know all of us have thought of you. So that was a special opportunity for me to honor a very special woman who's lived out Proverbs 31 in her life. So with that said, what would be a weakness of maybe folks like me, the boomer parents? Maybe out of that desire to give praise to our parents, maybe out of that desire, maybe down deep to even receive praise from our kids, maybe at times we've fallen into the trap of being overly critical or overly demanding. Possibly we've had the false motive of trying to live out our dreams through our children. Or maybe at times we've been concerned that our children's weaknesses have reflected badly on us. Parents, let's be hardworking. Let's instill hard work into our children. But let's make sure that we're not too critical of our children or too critical of the next generation and forget that they need encouragement and praise as well. As we continue to read in Proverbs 31, we see another important attribute in godly mothers, parents, or mentors, and that's being well-rounded. We read beginning in verse 16, this beautiful portrait of a mother who is extremely well-rounded. Just read this description with me. Just, she considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. Once again, we see hard work in an amazing display of numerous areas, including gardening, physical labor, exercise, business, and business savviness, 
crafts. And verse 27 describes her as being the opposite of idleness. It reads, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. I mean, this is the woman who works full-time. She works out at the YMCA before or after work. She's the team mom on her daughter's dance team, or she's the team mom on her son's baseball team. And yet, if that describes you, it's important for this mom not to feel like she has to be superwoman. Now, with that said, I marvel at the schedule some of the moms in this crowd keep. And yet I want to encourage you, if you are in your desire to be well-rounded, you're just going, 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 I want to make sure that you take time to replenish your soul. Make sure you take time to replenish your soul with God's Word in your private reading. Make sure you replenish your soul by spending time in worship with others. Having time in prayer in spiritual fellowship with other women where you can be vulnerable and open, hopefully in a small group where you can learn from others but also be vulnerable about some of the challenges you're facing and realize you don't have to be perfect. Another Brene Brown quote that I like, she says, what's the greater risk, letting go of what people think or letting go of how I feel, what I believe and who I am? Are we willing to take that risk and acknowledge weakness so that we can get help and be more concerned about growing and being nurtured in our faith than trying to appear to have it always together? Make sure, if this, if this description describes you, make sure that you're not constantly comparing yourself with others. You see, it's so easy to compare yourself and your life and your family with the highlight reel of another mom and her family that's posted on social media. She doesn't necessarily post the challenging days. Make sure you're not just comparing yourself to the highlight reel of someone else. Now, the generation that I thought of when I considered this characteristic of being well-rounded is the Gen X generation, those people born between 1965 and 1976. This generation amazes me. They're so well-balanced. And, and incredible strength of this generation is they balance work and family, and they make priority of giving time to their kids and making meaningful memories for them. I actually marvel at the great effort that many in that generation make to really strengthen and bless their families. It's truly commendable. And yet a weakness that some of these moms and, and corresponding dads can fall into in this generation is the trap of passing that pressure that you feel in life to do it all, to pass that on to your children. If we're not careful, Moms and dads in this generation can be so, they can try to fill their kids' schedule with activities so that they'll be well-rounded too. We want to make sure that this child is going to have that athletic or academic scholarship down the road. We want to make sure they don't miss out on anything. I think sometimes it's important, parents, to let kids be kids and let them have some playtime that's not always structured. You know, I, I'm, I'm just not speaking from 
an ivory tower. I remember there were times, I'm guilty of this, this pattern too. You know, my, my wife and I at one time had all three of our kids in select sports. At one year, they were in two select sports at the same time. That was crazy. And I remember one time driving away from our home and my son just said, can I just stay and play in the neighborhood? And I thought, you know, maybe I'm pushing a little too far. Let's make sure that we don't impress upon our kids something that's not even best for them. You see, with that trap of trying to pass on, that this generation of moms have, all, have actually been given a, a nickname. I don't know if you've heard it, but some in this category out there desire to make sure their kids don't miss out and They've been called helicopter parents. They're always hovering over their children. And as a result, if not careful, kids can feel great pressure. Let's make sure we don't put undue pressure on children to be the top of their class, in the gifted class, or on the elite team, because not everyone's going to be valedictorian. Not everyone's going to receive that athletic scholarship. And instead, let's make sure that we're teaching our children that which is of greater worth, that inner character that every kid can embrace. And let's make sure that we entrust our kids to a God who can look over them and be with them even when we can't. The final observation we want to make from Proverbs 31 is found in verse 20. And if you're taking notes, the final point is, this, this mom is described as being emotionally involved, emotionally involved. Verse 20 of Proverbs 31 says, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. This is the mom who's an example to her children of caring for those around her. She doesn't forget those who are less fortunate This is the parent who remembers it's important to pay it forward and to meet the needs of others while they're meeting the needs of their own children. To not be so consumed in their family that they forget to look out for the needs of the community and the less fortunate in the area. As I think of this commendable attribute, I thought of the millennial generation. Those born between 77 and 95. By the way, this is the largest generation in our country now. They've overtaken the boomers as being the largest generation. And unfortunately, I think it seems fashionable by some people my age to bash this generation. I think that's a mistake because honestly, this is the generation of my kids. And this, this generation has a lot of great qualities. I'm impressed by some of these qualities I see in my kids. My kids are a lot more concerned about the environment, the welfare, the less fortunate, and the marginalized than I was at their age. That's something I want to learn from them. And yet, in my research of this generation, some of the strengths of this generation are that they are very, very good. They're involved parents, and they're very good at communicating Uh, to the kids at the emotional level about those things which are difficult. They're understanding and they're supportive. That's strength. And yet one of the observed weakness of this generation is that they can be possibly so concerned and so sensitive to their emotional needs of their kids that they're tempted to take the risk out of the way for their children. 
They want to rescue their children from the struggles or hardship that they might face. Now, we talked about earlier the generation that's called the helicopter parent. Does anybody know what this generation has been nicknamed? The lawnmower parent. This is the generation that tries to get out in front and let's bush hog down anything that might stand in the way as an obstacle for the kid. Let's make sure there's no trial or hardship that they might face along the way. I think that's a mistake. Proverbs 31, the woman that we're looking at today is praised for being a woman, in verse 25, who's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. How did she develop that strength? How did she develop the dignity that can even have joy in the midst of hardship because she wasn't spared hardship? She faced those trials head on and grew and learned from it. Parents, when we try to remove all the challenges and trials out of our kids' path, we're doing them an in-service, an injustice, because you see, it's challenges that develop their character. It's when they fail that they learn to look up and look to a God who will take care of them and give them strength. And where they can learn to find their worth, not in just accomplishments, but in a relationship with a God who loves them dearly. Are we teaching our kids that? That brings us full circle, doesn't it? Back to what we said the theme of Proverbs is all about. Proverbs 31 points back to Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's be a people. Parents, let's be the parents that focus on the most important thing. That's a relationship with God and the inner character that develops from worshiping and respecting and honoring him. One of the things that we build in here at Southwest every weekend is communion. Because we wanna be a people that are centered on the most important thing. Yes, on a day that we're honoring mothers and we've spent an entire message on that, we wanna make sure that we look beyond the mom that we're celebrating today and look to the one that we are to honor above all. And that's God and his son, Jesus Christ. So during this time of communion, let's honor him. Let's remember what he did for us, dying on the cross. As we take the bread, we're reminded of the body. As we take the cup, we're reminded of his blood. And let's give honor to him in our hearts. And let's do that evaluation to say, am I a person who's really honoring fearing God in the sense of just being so impressed with him that I'm more concerned about pleasing him than impressing others. Let's be a people who fear the Lord in a healthy, godly way. Let's observe his love and honor his sacrifice during this time of communion. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you on this day that we honor mothers to remember those who've made a difference in our life, to look at the character strengths that we want to 
follow and imitate. And yet, Lord, on this day, we want to look beyond them and honor you and to acknowledge you're the ultimate parent. You're the one that has loved us as no one else has loved us. You loved us and gave us your son. Help us be drawn to you through that sacrifice and help us resolve in our hearts to be a people who honor you and are impressed with you first and foremost. It's in the name of Jesus, your son, that we pray. Amen.